0: Well, hey, everybody, welcome to week nine of the Alpha Course. Shh, let me have your attention just for the next couple hours. Come on, we can, we can get this done. Anyway, it's wonderful to see you. How many of you guys been here all nine weeks? You made all nine weeks. That's fantastic. You deserve more than an applause. So how many of you guys were able to make it to the Alpha Weekend? Alpha Weekend. Great. Thank you for being here as well. Um. So next week, uh, next week, we're in chapter, uh, where it's the second to last session, but the last session for Alpha, it is called, uh, How Can I Make the Most of the Rest of My Life? Um, you may recall the analogy I gave, um, I don't remember what week it was, but about, we get, I've shared with you the I do analogy, but at the end of both the husband and wife saying, I do, um, they get in separate limousines and go in opposite directions. But marriage is just the beginning. If you've come into a relationship with Christ over these last nine weeks, I do is just the beginning. I do is just the beginning. Now, we, we do have a couple of young I doers here uh, tonight. Sarah and Colin just got married on October 23rd. And uh, it was a great day. Great day. And I... Thank you for letting that and me be a part of that. That was fantastic. I know, we have a couple of birthdays today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Tara Mackey, who just left the room. And, I, and Nikki, is Nikki still in here? I think Nikki's birthday too. So anyway, happy birthday. Okay. So uh, so tonight we're in uh, the topic, what about the church? Look, for the last eight weeks, and by the way, Peter Davidson, is, is he, did he leave? Just walk out. It's past its bedtime, I think. So, um, anyway, the last eight weeks, we've talked about things we've thought about traditionally. Now, now hear me when I say this: things that we've talked, thought about, our whole lives, maybe traditionally, religiously, but not biblically. We haven't looked. We haven't opened the Bible to see well, what does the Bible have to say about this. I know what my tradition says. I know what my experiences say. But what does the Bible have to say? And if the Bible is the truth, if the Bible is the authority, if the Bible does speak clearly, truthfully about what Christianity is, who Christ is, then it would be essential for us to look into this scripture, divinely inspired, to find out what does it say? What does it say about prayer? What does the Bible say about evil? What does the Bible say about how do you have a relationship with God? And what does the Bible have to say about the church? And that's where we are tonight. What about the church? The church, and this is a big one because most of us, at least growing up in America, uh, have all attended church. Maybe you went to a <clears throat> excuse me parochial school. You've had experiences with the church. And, and I assure you... Uh, the Bible's going to mess up some stereotypes tonight. It certainly messed up my stereotype. And uh, so, very interesting conversation, or you'll have at your tables after this evening. Um, but you know, uh, there, and of course, you think about the church. I mean, the, the church is, you know, you'll see it flashed across social media and TV this church scandal, or this happened, and all these things. And, and you know, in many ways, the church is. Imperfect, because it's filled with imperfect people, imperfect leaders, imperfect followers. Uh, It's filled with people like me and you, and and, uh, we're all imperfect. But uh, as the church is imperfect, there are many ways, uh, other ways that the church is imperfect, and that is in the area of church bulletins. Um, And I have brought you tonight some segments from actual church bulletins to help you see and be reminded, if you needed to be reminded, how imperfect um, the church can be. So here's one. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things worth, not worth keeping around the house. And don't forget your husbands. <laughs> you may have to think about that one. Uh, the associate minister unveiled the church's new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday. I up my pledge. Up yours. This being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. Now, I'm not making this up. These are actually out of church bulletins. So you can only imagine Mrs. Lewis coming forward and laying an egg on the altar like I'm doing right now. Um, Here's another one. Due to the rector's illness, Wednesday's healing services will be discontinued until further notice. I love the delayed. That's what's really fun. A okay, here's a, here's a, here's another one. Barbara remains in the hospital and needs blood donors for more transfusions. She's also having trouble sleeping and requests tapes of Pastor Peter's, I mean Pastor Jack's <laughs> sermons. Uh, it's not here. It's here. <laughs> I don't I'll put him to sleep. Okay. Oh yeah. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 to 8.30. Please use the back door. (laughs) Can you imagine? Uh, Oh, yeah. Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church in Racine. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. (laughs) I think this is the last one. Oh, yeah. Don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. <laughs> so, anyway, just to prove how imperfect actual church bulletins, and there are so many more that are not quite ready for young couples, and young, I mean young people like you that are really funny. So, anyway, tonight we're on page 80. What about the church? Now, when you think of church or the church, uh, what do you think about? And there are many popular misconceptions about the church, such as uh, church equals services. Like, hey, when, when, when do you have service? When, when do you have church? Uh, or that the church is clergy. Uh, you know, what is church clergy? Just a small group of officials who take religion really seriously and get paid for it. Um, you know, so people ask, uh, what's the church's position on blah, 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 blah? What, what does the church think about this? Um, or that we think of the church as sort of as a particular denomination. What kind of church do you go to? What type of, what denomination of church do you go to? Or we think of the church as a building. Uh, hey, where's your church? Now, tonight, one of the things we're going to talk about is, is, is interesting, and, and, and this is the question. The question really is not, what is the church? The question, biblically, according to what the Bible says, is who is the church? The question is not, what is the church? Is it services? Is it leaders? Is it a building? Um, Is it a denomination? Well, the Bible would tell us, no, that would not be the case. Like, if you went to my house, you'd say, well... There's the laureas. You're not saying when you see my house that you're looking at the laureas. It's just that's where the laureas hang out, where the laureas live. So when you look at a building, we're going to talk about this a little bit more, that building is not the church. It houses the church. And I'm going to share with you some, some scriptures that show how true that is. And I think this is fascinating. So we'll find out that the church isn't a service, but... The church has services, but the church isn't so much about a small group of leaders, but the church has leaders. The church isn't denominations, but it has denominations. And the church isn't a location, but there are locations where the church meets. So tonight, the church, if you look at the, the original language in the common Greek language is what the New Testament is written in. The word for church is, is a compound word. It is, and I'm sorry for not having this up here, but it's ecclesia. Maybe you've heard of ecclesiastical. You've heard terms like that. Well, ek is the prefix, and ek means simply out, or out of, or out from. And the word klesia means called. So if you put that word together, ekklesia, it simply means called out ones, people that have been called out by God that's the word we would use for church so but called out of where that's the question so I don't want you guys to I know you missed these last week terribly didn't you so um so w- called out of where well basically this to keep with the, what the scripture tells us called out of Adam and placed into Christ that is the the picture that we're given so tonight we're going to talk about We're going to go through four points. Uh, The church is God's body, his home, his people, his family. The church is God's body, home, people, and family. So let's just first talk about the body, what is called the body of Christ. The church is not a building. The church is the body of Christ. And not so much an organization. You know, we think of the church as an organization. But really, if you think of the church, if you and I can think of the church more biblically, we think of the church as a biblical organism, as a living organism. And so the body of Christ, the church is the body of Christ. So let me just share with you, Just let me just tell you what the Bible says here. So when Paul writes his letter to the churches in Rome, this is what he writes. He says, for as in one body, we have been made have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So, we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So, for as in one body, there's one body, and that's the, the body of Christ. We've been placed into Christ. He says we have many members or many parts, like our physical body has many members and. Many parts. And the members of the parts do not have all the same function, right? There are kidneys, there's livers, there's fingers, there's toes, there's eyes, there's ears. They don't have all the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. Now you think about Alpha, how Alpha is, comes together. There are many parts that come together for Alpha. There are people that work out the registration and put the tables together. They're gifted in that in that area. They're people that serve you, uh, tea or water or your dessert or whatever. They're they're just gifted in that area. They're people that facilitate your tables. Gifted in that area. They couldn't find anything else for me to do, so they said, "Well, just put him up here. He can't can't do me that much trouble." So um, so so everybody's got different giftings. We're different parts that come together as the body of Christ. You've got pastors and teachers and. People that share the gospel. You have people that have prophetic giftings. So, but, but it all is composed of the body and we need one another. We need one another's gifting. And we come together as one body. Individually members one of another. Then Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he writes this, But speaking the truth in love... We are to grow up in all aspects. There's this maturing, all aspects into Christ, who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. You see the physical uh, analogy that Paul's giving here. And held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself itself in love. We are, in Christ, connected, and we need to be. We need one another. That's what, that's what Paul is telling us here by the, by the Spirit of God, that we need one another. I need your gifting. I do. I need your heart. I need the love of Christ in you. I need that, and that helps make up this functioning, growing body of Jesus Christ. Because really, what good are disconnected body parts? You ever thought about that? You know, you, could, you have a hand model, and she's just got beautiful fingers and everything else. But if one of those fingers was missing, and it was just on the table next to her hand, think how horrible would that be? Um, the, the beauty of that hand would be marred by that finger not being there. Or if you're just walking down the street and you see a foot, just a foot sitting there, you've got to wonder, where's the rest of that person um, it, it's, it, not I hope to not be making anyone ill here. I'm, I'm looking at some faces, but, uh, the foot is meant to be connected to the ankle. And I don't know the leg bone connected to the, I don't know that thing, but, but it's, we're supposed to be connected together. The beauty of the body is in its connectedness. Is it not? I mean, think about that. This is the beauty of the body. And so, um, uh, The connection is what God has worked and that you and I, if we are in Christ, have the joy and the privilege of experiencing life together as the church, as the called out ones. So people are called to be connected to your life and you are called to be connected to others' lives. You and I are called out ones to be meaningfully connected to one another's lives. That's where joy is. That's where you're more than you are yourself. The, the army used to do the slogan, an army of one. Do you remember that? Different functions, right? You don't have all the people in the army. You don't have the infantry is all you have. You have different parts of the, of the army. And that's similar to the church. Everyone gifted, called out specifically by God. Which is amazing, phenomenal, high calling. So, secondly, we see here that the church is a home. Okay, this is on page 81. The Bible is called, we're called a holy temple, a dwelling of God, his very abode. And in the Old Testament, God called his people to build a house for him. Now, not because he needed it, not because God needed a place to dwell, as if he'd fit in it anyway. Anyway. But so that there would be, and they would have a symbol that God was near them. He was with them. That's the picture here. In the Old Testament, God dwelled in a building made with hands. In the New Testament, God dwells in a building that has hands. You and me. And this this is what Paul tells the church at Corinth. He says, or do you not know? That your body, if you're in Christ, this is what the Bible tells you. That just, I, I, I've just become more and more infatuated and taken by this scripture lately. Or do you not know, if you're in Christ, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, is a dwelling of the Holy Spirit, is a house of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. And the, the scripture goes on to say, you have been bought with a price. So worship God in your bodies. Glorify God. Reveal God to one another in your bodies. So if you're in Christ, Christ is also in you by the Holy Spirit. Think about that. God, you as a called out one, God has chosen, God desires, God's intention from eternity past has been that he would dwell in you. You. Think about that. If you and I can get a big enough picture of God, we, uh, we'd we have a very difficult kind of time just sitting down right now. The thought that this one who created all things is beyond measure, beyond anything we can imagine, says, I want to live not just with you. I want to live in you. It's fascinating. And then Peter writes this. He says, As you come to him, right? You've been called out. He's calling you out. Now, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men. So as you come to him, Christ is called the living stone. Rejected by men, correct. Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Now, catch this part here. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. As a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, that's a mouthful. So, as we come to Christ, Christ comes to us, right? He called us out. Now, we come to him. We come to Christ, who is the living stone, also called the cornerstone, the stone that the builders rejected, Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, Christ chosen by God and precious to God. You yourselves, like living stones, what is he saying here? You, your stones, you yourself are chosen and precious. As Christ is precious to his father, he now says, if you you are called out and you have come to me, you yourself are to God, the one who created all things came to die for you and my sins so that you and I could experience what it means to be forever chosen, forever precious, forever forgiven by a God who came to get us and rescue us in spite of ourselves. You're being built up. You see here, like living stones being built up together. Now he's saying, well, here's the living stones denomination here and the living stones denomination. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, though there may be local assemblies of folks that have been called out he's talking about living stones that have been built up on one thing they're only built on one thing they're not built on the denomination they're not they're not built on anything but Christ who is the living stone the cornerstone and he has placed his life in us therefore we are now living stones jointly fit together. And stones that are sovereignly fitted together. That you and I live when we live, where we live. With the gifts that we have. Because we, we need those around us. There are people that, are, that have been here before us. And we're, we're stones on top of them. And we need their maturity to help us. So we need those around us. We need those supporting us meaning more mature Christians, those who have been in the faith a while. We need folks to lead us and to shepherd us and to pastor us. And there are those who will need our support as we grow in our faith, as we share what Christ has done for us, how he's taken us out of Adam and placed us eternally into Christ to share and to encourage and to teach them as well, but we're all living stones, fit precisely in the right time in the right place, by a God who said, "Come to me. I have called you out of Adam to place you into my body, my my home." Do you remember? I don't. Uh, two weeks ago, we 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 shared this, and I just think this is a this is a helpful analogy because. You can go to church, what we would call traditionally called church. You can go to church your whole life, but you can still be an Adam. I, that, that would have been me until God opened my eyes. I knew about God. Remember, my myology, I thought I was set, but I was completely off. I didn't know what the church was. I didn't know what the Bible was. I didn't know what forgiveness was. I didn't know what I knew nothing. But I went to church a whole lot, but I was still an Adam. So going into a building that was called the church did not place me into Christ. It just placed me into a building. That's all it did. But we need to be placed into Christ. And so we need to be taken out of the dominion of darkness or the, if, if I may say the church of darkness and placed into the church of light. Remember, because God is light. The scripture says in first, uh, first John 1 John 1.5, God is light and in him... There is no darkness at all. So we're taken out of, if you will, Satan's church, biblically speaking, and placed into Christ's church. So going to church doesn't put you in Christ. Coming to Christ puts you into Christ. As you have been called out of Adam into him, he gives us a new life. And he makes us alive, living stones. It's what the Bible says. And so, this is, this is just really important stuff. So, you can attend a gathering of the church, be in a building, but not be of the church. Because being of the church, according to the Bible, is being in Christ. Here's a fascinating picture, uh, scripture that Peter gives us again. This is, the church is the people of God. So, we've talked about this. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the home of God. The church is the people of God. Here's what Peter says here. Now follow this with me because this is really interesting here. I think it's all really interesting or I wouldn't tell you, but I don't know if you feel that way. But you are, okay, he's talking about those who are in Christ. So if you're in Christ, listen up. This is what the Bible's saying about you and and me. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, A holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may, why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who called you out of Adam and placed you into Christ. For once you were not a people, you were in Adam. But now you are the people of God, now you're in Christ. You had not received mercy in Adam. But now you have received. Oh, what mercy. Oh, what mercy. Total forgiveness, mercy. It's amazingly true. But look what it says. So if you are in Christ, Peter, led by the, directed by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says you are chosen. You are royal. Okay, we're not talking about the... Great Britain here, the United Kingdom. Beyond that, you are in God's light. Royal, we think of a king or a queen. Priest, what's a... Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Is is this written to particular denominations? No, well before denominations were ever thought. The Bible doesn't set aside this, this office of priest as much as he sets aside a people a royal a kingly kingly priests queenly priests he, these people well, what does a priest do a priest has access to god that's simply what that's saying you are a part of the royal family if you're in christ that's what it's saying you're part of the royal family and you have access to royalty if you're part of the royal family does that make sense is that simple enough you are god says if you're in christ i've made you Royal priests, a part of the family, and therefore you always have access to the family. You have access to the king of kings. So, so he said you're chosen, you're royal, you have access, you're holy, and you're God's own possession. So you can tell how Amazing, this God is that saved somebody like me, who called somebody like me out and placed me into his son, never to be able to be removed from him. That's amazing. That's what the Bible teaches. And I'm telling you what, if that's true, I want to know it. And so again, tonight, is that true? Is, is that, you just making that scripture up? No, just look for it. You'll find it. This is what the Bible says about what Christ has done in taking us out of death, eternal death, and placing us into his life. Fascinating. So the church is a family, a related family. And in a family, you're fed. In a family, you're led. In a family, you're protected. In a family, you're taught. That is a picture of the church. In a family, you're led, you're fed, you're protected, you're taught. You're together. Hmm. Well, let's just look at here how we're a related family. Just look at, again, the scripture. Because I don't want you to believe me. I want you to look at what the Bible says. And it's very, very clear here. Let's just look at some clear biblical declarations. Out of 1 John 5, 1, okay, this is the this is the this is not the gospel of John. When John wrote his gospel, then afterwards he wrote to the ecclesia, he wrote to the called out ones, the church, these statements. So there's 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. These are, this is a part of the epistles written to those who are in Christ. Everyone that believes that Jesus is the Christ has been, okay, here it is, born of God. And if you're born of, of, if you're born of the Guidrys, You're a Gidri, right? So you're born of the Gidris, you're a Gidri. Well, if you've been born of God, you become a part of God's kingdom, God's family. You believe in Him? You got into the wheelbarrow? You said, I do? You received the gift? Have you surrendered to Him? Well, the Bible says that you have been born of God. That's tremendous. And then in John 1, 12, 13, we've seen this scripture before. To as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. When you talk about children, you talk about family, right? So it's just that simple. Born of God, children of God. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, right? You're born Physically, you're born of flesh. Our kids were born of Annette and Frank Loria. But you must be born again because when you're born the first time, you're born physically alive but spiritually separated from God, is what the Bible says. So we have to be born again because we need to be born spiritually. We need to have the life of someone who is alive, and that is Christ himself. He comes to give us Not just a pass into heaven, he comes to give us himself. And as Peter taught over the weekend, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, it's better that I go away, because if I don't go away, I won't send you the Comforter, the Spirit. He will be with you, and he will be in you. That's what Jesus taught. And then here, behold, 1 John 3, 1, again, written to those who are in Christ. What manner of love the Father has given to us that we could be called the children of God? And such we are. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that, if you're in Christ, child of God. Who are you? Imagine tonight somebody walked up to you and said, uh, who are you? And you say, oh, I'm a child of God. Now, they may want to have you institutionalized. I'm not sure. But you are speaking the truth. Well, do you always act like a child of God? None of our children act like us. All the time, do they? See, so our children may not be perfect, and they are not, with the exception of Taylor and Alex, I know, but they may not be perfect, but they are perfectly our children. Do you see the difference? They are perfectly DNA ours. They're not perfect, but they're perfectly ours. See And so God says, I make you my child. And you're not perfect yet, but you're perfectly mine. And you will be the day I call you to myself. Behold what manner. What kind of love is this? That you and I could be called God's children. And such we are. Not such we will be. It says, and such for those who are in Christ on November 16th, 2021. Children of God. Children of God. So here, Paul back to the Ephesians. I've got these A's are for Adam. And these C's are for being in Christ. And he came, that's Jesus, and preached to you who were far away. We who were in Adam. And peace to those who were near. Those who were in Adam. So whether you were far away or near, for through him... We both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Through Christ, we now have access to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers to God or aliens. You're not in Adam anymore. But you are fellow citizens with the saints. You're in Christ. You know, I say this word saints, and I know that could go, wait, wait, wait. Aren't saints people that get voted on uh, after they die and they've done a couple of miracles? Maybe they were before they died. But no one, according to the scripture, again, I say this very humbly. I'm not this ar- I not say this, please hear me in my humility of this. I really mean this. Um, God calls us saints. Holy. Why? Not because, hey, look at me how holy I am. No, it's I'm in Christ now, and look at how holy He is. And I am placed in Christ. And he now calls me his child, his family member. And 60, at least 61 times in the New Testament, those who are in Christ are called saints, alive. Not, Paul is not writing this to dead people. Paul is writing this to alive people. 61 times at least he's addressing those who are in Christ as saints. You are fellow citizens with the saints and you and are of God's household. Of God's family. He came to take us out of Adam. And to place us into his family. His household. This is what the church is. Being meaningfully connected to one another. Each of us in Christ. Fit together with marvelous gifts. To declare together how great he is. To declare the praises. The excellencies of him. See church is biblically characterized. By Intimate family descriptions, not a distant and non-meaningful, not distant and non-meaningful acquaintances of people who occasion the same building or service or time or denomination. Some people we just just may wave to across the way. Um, The church is biblically characterized by people related to each other, made family by the one who called them out at different times in different places across the planet to be the body, the home, the family of God. So people related to each other. We share a spiritual family connection. We are in Christ. So if we were all, tonight, if we were all cos, we would all be related physically. Okay? If we are all Prats, we'd all be related physically. If we were, if we were all... Rogers, we'd all be related physically. Well, if you're in Christ, we're all related forever, spiritually. It's family. It's family. So people responsible, people related to one another, people responsible for each other, never alone. They are people in Christ who care about your well-being and life. That's biblical church. People caring for people. There is no such thing as an isolated, healthy Christian. Because you have to pull yourself away as a body part and there's no functioning there. There's no cooperation. There's no growing together. I mean, you, if you took a... I mean, if you took... Uh, it's, you know, the, the grilling season, I guess, is almost over. Uh, but if you just take a bunch of charcoals and you put those charcoals together... And you light them all and they start burning, and you know, you put the fluid on it or whatever, and you, they just start burning together. And you take one of those charcoal briquettes and you put it over on the side. What's that briquette gonna do? It's going out. See, they burn together, they function and are functional and have value together should always be obvious as to how much we need our family but there are times there are really times and it's much more obvious than than others Um, it was um, December of um, 2010 when um, my wife had her first breast cancer surgery Um, we were at a little hospital on st. Charles Avenue that doesn't even have a sign you don't even know it's there Um, And when we walked in to that waiting room, which the place looks more like a hotel than it looks like a hospital, there were at least 40 people already there, just waiting to hug on us and love us and stand around in a circle for I don't know how long after Annette had gone into surgery, praying for my bride. Um... The sense of God's presence at that moment in his church was, was palpable. It's just palpable. I, I, I can't. And, and there have been so many times like that when the church has come together that you experience Christ in his church, living stones together, caring, loving, ministering. So, the church of Christ is a body, it's a home, it's a people, it's a family, it's not a building. It's where the church meets. This is where we meet, this building, the church meets in a building. Uh, But here's the question, why is church boring and irrelevant for most? I mean, I don't, again, each, each of you may have your own answer to that, I don't know if you were dragged to church as a kid by your parents. My ears stick out to this day because of my mother dragging me uh, to church. This is the only reason they do that. Um, But why is church boring and irrelevant for most? Possibly, if not probably, if not actually, uh, because it lacks these biblical characteristics of being a connected body, a home, a people, a family, join together to together declare how amazing this God is who called me out of death, eternal death, and placed me into His life. What love of God that we could be called God's children. Um. Uh, we, you know, we. I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I went to just a couple of churches. But it, you know, can you say that I would go to look for maybe the some people go on to look for the shortest service they could could find, um, the most convenient. Um, I mean, you th- think about that today. You 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 go you go out, you get a you look for the closest parking lot, parking space that you can get. You go in. You typically you're greeted by somebody. Um, you go in as quickly as you can to get what you came to get and you, and you leave as fast as you can get in your car and leave. And uh, Pastor Keith had shared this analogy. So the question is, did I, did I just describe a visit to church or to a Walmart? And think about that. Closest space, quickest time. Don't have time to get, meet with anybody necessarily and you're in and you're, you're out. See, that's practicing meology. That's what that is. That's practicing my doing church my way. It's what I want and not what God has so lavishly given me. So, where do I go for these things? Well, the Bible's clear the church of Jesus. We don't go to the world. We've been called out of Adam and placed into Christ. That doesn't mean we don't live and enjoy and love our friends that. That are are not in Christ yet. That's I mean I I am I am grateful and love people more than I ever have. I've, you know the problem with you Christians is you think you're better than everybody else. No. As a matter of fact, I know for a fact, having been saved by God's grace, that I am better than few, if any. But I have a God who, in spite of me, loved me and saved me. And longs for me to tell others of what he has done for me. I mean, if somebody came up with a, with a cure for cancer, would you just kind of keep that in your hat to yourself and watch soap operas the rest of your life? I don't think so. Well, if the Bible is true, if Christ is raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, and has taken us taken us out of Adam into Christ, this is better news. Than cancer being healed. This is better news than a terminal disease. Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will never die. And he who believes in me will live even if he dies. The body's going. But the soul and the spirit will live Forever. And we get to experience that abundant life, even in the midst of a fallen world, together as the church, joyfully, hopefully, faithfully, with one another, in Christ and with Christ. So, now, I told you guys early on in the course um, what Alpha is and what it is not. And one of those knots was that Alpha is not about you leaving your church or your denomination. And, and, and it's not. That is so true. Yet I have to ask you, if you've learned more about the Bible in less than 10 weeks of attending Alpha than you have in all of your years of attending wherever you have attended, whenever you have attended, would it make sense to possibly, and I mean, I say this again totally humbly, would it make sense to maybe possibly consider a change? If, if the Alpha Course, which is an introduction, we're just scratching the surface here, an introduction to Christianity is new material, then possibly you want to consider whether you're, where you currently are has been clearly presenting the, this, the Bible to you. And maybe they have been, and you just haven't dug down deep enough. I don't know. That's not for me to say. That's between you and God. But we've all heard this. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you got. Keep doing what you're doing, regardless of what it is. You'll keep getting what you got. If I do that, I'll get what I got. And life in the dash is too short. And life in the line is too long to be more devoted to tradition, even religious tradition, than the Bible and its clear declarations of truth. And that's why we just can't let next Tuesday be the end of Alpha. Um, So beginning the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, uh, we're going to start a wonderful study in the Gospel of Mark, using, using this fabulous study guide. It's called Jesus the King, Pastor Tim Keller. You've heard me mention his name before. This is a nine-week study through the Gospel of Mark, and it is, we've done this several times. It is so much fun. And that will start, um, I think it's November. I think I have a... Uh, that will start November 30th. Okay, so this is Alpha. Next step, Beta. It's a study in the Gospel of Mark. You'll get one of these. Uh, We'll have dinner together. It's going to look pretty much like Alpha, except there's going to be more time given to going through the information in here, which is so well done. Uh, Pastor Keller and Spence Shelton, who did put this together, did that. So we have registration for you tonight. And if you would register, if you'd like to register, it's going to cost you just as much is Alpha. So if you can handle that. So totally free. Again, we would love for you to come and participate in, uh, in the beta course. It's a lot of fun. We may have to miss a week or so with the holidays. Don't worry about that. Um, we haven't talked about whether we're going to record it or not, but uh, I'll let you know about that too. But the fun of this, I know typically next week you're going to get a questionnaire. We're going to ask you, what do you think about Alpha? And we really want you to be critical with that. We really do. Um, so we can do this better. If you know, if we can do this better, we can serve people better. We want to do that. Um, but this this um, this time will keep us more in this than the amount of time I typically spend up here. So so this the church is how God designed His people to be a body, a home, a people, a family, and to love the God that called us out to be his church and to be used by him to call others out to join his body, his home, his people and his family now and uh, and forever. So okay, well let's take a quick break. Next week is commencement ceremonies. So along with the topic that will discuss how do I make the most of the rest of my life. So let's take a quick break. Thank you all again for being here. We look forward to seeing you next week.